This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. It's extremely dangerous to publicly admit your Christian faith in the East African nation of Somalia, and church life is non-existent. Islam is considered a crucial part of Somali identity, and if any Somali is suspected of having converted to Christianity, they are in great danger. Members of their family or community will harass, intimidate, and in some cases, even kill them. We've been reporting on such killings of the followers of Jesus over the years in Somalia. Now, women may be raped and forcibly married if they're found out to be Christians. Followers of Jesus are also in danger from Al-Shabaab, a violent group that advocates Sharia Islamic law as the basis for regulating all aspects of life. According to Open Doors, Christians from a Muslim background are considered a high-value target by Al-Shabaab. They're often executing believers right on the spot when they're discovered. Somalia remains number three on the World Watch list as one of the countries where Christians face the most extreme persecution. The pressure on Christians remains at an extremely high level. Christians in the country are often at risk of being killed by Islamic militants, clan leaders, elders, and as mentioned earlier, even family members monitor the movement of any suspected Christians that have converted from Islam. To talk about the situation in Somalia is Jacob. That is not his real name. And if you're watching the interview, we have hidden his face and altered his voice for security reasons, and we won't be disclosing his location, but he is not in Somalia. Jacob is a partner of the Voice of the Martyrs. Jacob, thank you for joining me on Closer to the Fire. Thank you for having me. I appreciate to be in this interview with you. And we appreciate having you. Now, before we talk about, uh, you know, the dangers facing Christians in Somalia, and, and we don't, again, don't want to put you at any risk, but how did you come into a relationship with Jesus? How it happened is that it was a process, and the process was that I did not come into encounter with a Christian or a message in any other way, but through a civil servant who had shared the message with my mother, and in that way, it happened that the same has reached me also, and I am the second generation now of that product. Now, I know that in Somalia, there are very few Christians. Is it like less than 1%? Is that, is that about right? Yeah, this is a controversial question that has been asked over and over. And it is really difficult to say 1%. It is so relative. And we can only say so closer because many people are trying to quote that number of 1%. Because even getting the details of a censor and also going inside and interviewing people about Christianity and especially those from that background is really very difficult. But uh, as you have said, you have said among many others who normally quote that number, the percentage might not be very far from that 1%. Regardless, it, it is very, very few in number of Christians in Somalia uh, what is life like for a Christian? I mean, you're from that part of the world. Uh, what was it like growing up in such a very strong Islamic culture, even before Al-Shabaab and more militant Islam? Yeah, it is a very tiring situation. And also it is a situation whereby you are not really sure whether you are going to see the following day. And 
sometimes you just think because of your effort and what you are doing, you are going to be safe. But also because the Bible tells us that we have to be comparing ourselves with the dove and with the snake in their behaviors. And because of that, it happens that the dangers are surrounding you. You don't know who is your enemy and you don't know who is your true friend because there is a lot of also betrayers. When the person who is so close to you, it could happen that is just close to you to get more information to confirm what they might have had. And it becomes very difficult. And it happens that you don't have friends and you don't have relatives. You become an island whereby you left your own community but also there's no another community that can embrace you. You left your biological parents and kinships and then you don't have someone else to stand with you. And life is really like, it is just in the balance that you don't know what happens next. But the God who has called us has brought us to this far that even today I can still talk about this and what I have gone through. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine, uh, you know, you know, as a follower of Jesus living in a Western country like Canada, you know, we have freedoms here. That is not the case for Christians in Somalia, but yet people are still coming to know the Lord. And as you mentioned, you're a second generation Christian. Uh, you, you know, you're following the Lord. You try to be obedient to the things of God. Uh, for others, it's coming through dreams and visions. Tell me about some of the ways that people are coming into a relationship with Jesus. Every situation is unique and also mm -hmm. what people encounter in different cultures, every culture is unique. And uh, when there's freedom, there are ways that people can come to the Lord and the Lord himself chooses what is best for each individual in their circumstance. But what happens mostly is the issue of people listening to messages and also we hear people who have come to the Lord and giving their testimonies through dreams and visions and also by also talking to people who have already started their journey. And we have seen some of the people who have already been helped by hearing the message through the messages that came through certain people, like maybe even the civil servants who are working within your, the area. And then as they are interacting, maybe this civil servant is, is sharing a message and that message is taken far. And others, like now, what is happening is the online materials, the right. media, the radio, and also when you talk about the website and the links. But even before this happened right now, sometimes people even go out of the community they go to a place where it's secluded and even they try to listen whatever content they got from a link which a friend sent them because they're afraid to be found with it or had them listening. So what they do is other than God himself in a special way talking to them, they also go out, get out of the community and listen to their little radio, which is in an SD card and something like that, or a link that was sent and then they are using the link to download the program and then they go into the bush. And right now it happens that uh, the data which people are using and all that is also sometimes even being monitored, which is very difficult. And But in that difficulty, there's hunger and thirst to listen to this sweet word. For example, there used to be a young man who used to listen to the message over the radio on shortwave. But one time it happened that he used to answer 
and uh, saying that you, you people, you have been bought, you are enemies of Islam, you left the faith. But one time what happened is there was a bombshell on his house and uh, from the market he was called and he was told, all your family have been submerged. There was a stray bombshell and they are all dead. And what happened is when he went there and he saw what happened, some months later he wrote to us and he said, please, Forgive me if I would have listened to the message of the radio, which I, I was against you today, what happened would not have happened right now. I've just buried uh, all my families a few months ago. And only if my people will continue listening to the message of peace that you put on air, I know I would have been able to spare my people, but I was against it. But now I know that is the truth because the bombshell that brought down my family and dropped on my house did not come from a Christian. It did not come from Jews. It came from another Muslim and even another Somali person. So it is that difficult when people are getting the message, you don't know the fruit and you don't know when the fruit yes, will yeah. be seen, but the message is being listened to. Yeah, and that's why the message of the gospel needs to get in, well, to every country. But we, you know, we think of, you know, countries especially that are violent, you know, Afghanistan, uh, Iran, of course, where many of the people have turned against Islam and are turning to Christianity. Are the people of Somalia, uh, again, it's, uh, uh, you know, almost every person in the country uh, at least would identify with Islam, very few that would identify as Christian. But is there an openness uh, Jacob, to the gospel uh, in Somalia because of all the violence and what they're seeing? Very well said. People are tired. They are dusty. They are hungry. They have been searching for the truth for a long time because even what they see is happening is being done in the name of Islam. And they are even confused, especially the young people. They are confused because when they are seeing the killings, the slaughterings, the bombshells, and also especially when you hear a whole university being attacked and then somebody is saying they are the ones who have done it. It is really making them even to search more and say, surely, should this be happening? And this is the God that who wants blood? Did he send his people to shed blood? So people are thirsty and they are searching. They are searching every day, every night. And that's why as Christians, they have to love these people and intentionally give the message of salvation. Because as they are searching, they are going to bound, bounce into the wrong teachings from even the people who are shedding blood. That's why you see most of the people who are in these groups and the militias and also the Al-Shawabs, these are people who are dusty and hungry. And once they are, as they are searching, they come across these teachings, then it is lying to their hearts. And because of that, the dust is there. They are searching for the word. The war has been there because up to now we cannot say when the country is stable because some regions we can see there's the population which is still following the Al-Shabaab teachings and it is not easy to really convince them that what they are following is not the right thing. So the question is, as Christians, how much are we really investing in this and searching for resources which is in this language so that they are able to listen to the truth? Because we know that the truth is the only thing that can set them free. Yes. And once they have been set free, for sure, they will be free indeed. 
Right. And and we need to even see, you know, people that are in Al-Shabaab. And again, it's a very violent group. We've seen the videos uh, where they have committed beheadings of Christians and other Muslims that are not sympathetic to their cause. So I, th- I think that's very important. And, you know, when Jesus says, you know, to bless those who persecute you and, and you think in the context of Somalia, that's kind of hard really for many of us to get our heads around. But uh, Jacob, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, many stories that we have covered on the Voice of the Martyrs and and on our broadcasts over the years of Somali Christians being publicly executed. I mean, I, I mean, these tactics are used to bring fear on the church. Is does that happen to many of those that are following Jesus when they hear these things or see these things? Because many times it's done in a public way. Does it bring the intimidation against the church? And does that cause then many of the followers of Jesus to say, okay, I'm a Christian, but I'm just going to keep very, very low key? Yes, as you have said, surely fear is one of the highest degree, which is really making even the church not to grow. We know that some of the communities that heard about Christ years later, even many years after the Somali community. But right now they have got their pastors, their leaders, their established churches. But now you wonder what is wrong with the Somalis after now there are no churches established. This is because of that fear. And once people overcome the fear, especially when you are within the community and you know that once you are out of your community, you don't know how to survive because you have not grown up in any other culture. This is the culture that you know. And that's also what they're using, the killings. And that's why even they call people when they are beheading someone so that people can witness and see if anyone else will do what this guy did, then this is the same thing that we are going to do. So penetrating fear into the hearts of the people. So we need boldness. And some people have become bold because of having a new community out of their community and also because of being even outside their culture so that they can live even outside their country as well as the region or even the continent. And that one has encouraged them even to do more messages to send back to their own people. So, but the reality is some of the people, even these killings have made them even to be bold. That one we cannot really deny it is true. There are people who have gotten encouraged because when they see someone else, like a goat being slaughtered, just in the name of, they want this person to go to heaven. They wanted this person to go to heaven. But by killing, are you taking that person to hell really? Mm. which you don't even know because you are not even having uh, a guarantee for yourself. Because if now you ask those guys, what will be your life after this? They can tell you it's only God who knows. So how are you sure that the life of the one you are slaughtering was going to hell? So people, what, wow. why they are fighting physically is to create fear and also to cover shame, shame of the families. Because now whenever these families will be seen, they will be told the families whose their daughter became a Christian, the families whose their son became a Christian, maybe the families whose their father became a Christian. So it is only that they are covering that shame to make sure that there's no shame in the community. So you have to finish this guy because even them, they are confessing that in the last day, the prophet who is coming back to judge who has never, never, ever sinned is Jesus Christ. Right. But then... 
it will be true to say, as Jesus said, when he was talking with the Jews, that they have eyes, they don't see, they have ears, they don't hear it. Because you cannot be confessing Jesus is the one who is the Holy One and coming back, he will be the judge for everyone. And now today you are slaughtering the one who are following him. Then it is contradicting. And many people right now, they are reading a lot, even about Christianity, they read. And they are seeing this truth and they are searching for the salvation. Yeah, that's the thing. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, fear uh, will come upon a lot of followers of Jesus. Again, depending on the maturity, I've seen this, you've seen this in your travels, but it also emboldens others. And we know that persecution, God uses it to advance the kingdom of God. It's just something that he has done and he's put in, you know, in terms of the way that the gospel goes forward. But the reality is many of our brothers and sisters are suffering that if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we need to be caring for our brothers and sisters in Somalia. And, and, and you know, particularly if a Christian man is killed or abducted, then the whole family suffers. Because again, in that culture, the man is usually the one that is the breadwinner. And then the remaining parts of the family are often left unprotected. And they then are seen, as you said, a stain on the community. So the importance, Jacob, of helping our brothers and sisters, and I know that's your passion, and that's why Voice of the Martyrs is involved in the work that you're doing in Somalia. So tell me about some of the people that you're helping and, and how that is encouraging them. Thank you so much. Uh, for sure, yes, the blood of the matters is the strength and the growth of mm -hmm. the church, and that's really the reality. And when it comes to the need, as I had mentioned, this community, now once you confess and you are discovered, you become stigmatized and you become lonely, you become traumatized and stressed. Right now, two out of three believers that you might meet, you will see that if you stay with them long, not like one day or a few hours, you will discover these are trauma-related illnesses, signs and symptoms because they don't have community. Their own has neglected them. And then the major believers and the churches are not embracing them. So they are just in between. And we have seen a decline where people even go back to, to Islam again after they have confessed because there's no new community in between. It was not, the churches are not intentional. And yeah, the there's, there's no support. Helping. There's no support, right? Yeah, well said. There's no support, spiritual support, moral support. And then also when you talk about the support of, you know, the need, the day-to-day -day need, primary needs, as well as the secondary needs, they are there. Even just to be encouraged, to be welcomed to a house and said, you have been neglected, but we are here for you. We are one body. I am not a Somali, but I'm, I'm another tribe. But because I'm a believer, I welcome you. And that would have been a, a great encouragement. So some of the things that we do is to do trainings and also counseling, trauma counseling, trauma response. How can I know that I'm traumatized? And then how can I know that somebody else is traumatized? And then how can I get out of it? That's one side of it to bring the healing, even using the biblical counseling and also staying with them, giving them company. We also have the aspect of taking care of the families. There are families who can live only on, on less than a dollar a day. And once they are helped, at least it helps them to go forth 
Mm-hmm. They are children who are scattered, born from these families. They need to go to school because when it is a family, the needs are more and more. And it's only the, the Christians, the brothers and sisters who can come along. And also maybe for those who have got talents of doing business and something like that, they have to know that being a Christian doesn't mean that you have to suffer. But some of the suffering, when they come, then we are prepared for it. But only one side is sometimes the thing that people think of becoming a Christian and then you don't even tell them the other side that persecution is going with it. So by helping them is giving them a new family, giving them uh, a way that they can go from being dependent to independent. And then later on, they can be interdependent themselves. They can be making their own church and their believers and brothers and sisters to survive by giving back to the church. Mm -hmm. So we need a lot to happen. And especially there's a generation which is now coming up, the children. And we need to take these children to schools which have environment, which is uh, either zero or less trauma of persecution. Because it happens that sometimes we neglect the children because of their sincerity, we keep them aside. And because of that, they are neglected. When they go to any school, they are called names and then they are traumatized. They are in their own world. The grown-ups sometimes when they see the situation is not favorable, they can contextualize and change their action or even the way they talk. But the children don't know that. And then they go to any school and in that process, they are persecuted. But most of the time, we don't talk about the persecution which the children are going through. Yeah. And all this, by supporting this, the young church, which is upcoming, I think we are going to make a big difference and making a pillar for the generations to come. Because we are being told in the word of God that train up a, ch- a child in a way that even when he grows up, he is not going to turn away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important to remember that, uh, you know, we need to be remembering the children in this and, and to train them up, help them to be strengthened in their faith. So how does a church grow in a country like Somalia, where you've got Al-Shabaab and then Islam is so ingrained into the culture? So to be Somali is to be a Muslim. And with the war and everything that's gone on in that nation, and I understand you know, Christians would want to leave the nation and go to other countries, including Canada. Uh, even if they've you know come into relationship with Jesus, so Jacob, how can the church then grow uh, when the believers are leaving the country? And again, we don't ever you know question why they want to leave if they have family, whatever the situation is. But how can the church grow in a country like Somalia when there's so few Christians and of some of those that also want to leave the country and in many cases have? Yeah, how can the church grow when the believers who are coming up are leaving the country? Mm. That is a question that we are really struggling with day by day. And everything is about the way the approach of the people who are sharing the message are approaching it. Because it doesn't mean that for everyone that you are going to share the message or whoever really really sees the truth of the salvation has to run away. Because when it says we are a letter, we are salt and light, then who is going to be salt and light? Who is going to be a, a letter for the rest who are remaining? So the reality is we need to be careful in our approach because most of the time what is making things messed up is the approach of lack of networking 
by the different denominations of Christians flocking mm. in. Some of them, they have just been sent to make a beautiful report and pictures so that they can take it back and raise more of oh. what they would like to raise. But then they don't care, the person that you are leaving there, what is going to happen the next day when they are discovered. Like now, as you are interviewing me, you have put all measures humanly possible to make sure that at least it is not obvious who is talking when Jacob was talking to you. So mm. it is all about if somebody is in danger and they have been discovered, that will be the last thing to take them away from the country, to take them away from their family, to take them away from the region where they are. But the reality is we want a discipleship where there is accountability, a discipleship where there is uh, planning and partnering and networking. Let us respect those who are inside. How are they doing things? How have they been doing things? And still, they have, the Lord has been with them. It's not because they were very clever. The Lord has been protecting them. But the external forces sometimes because of the churches with the different approaches. You just want to say, praise the Lord and be passionate about it. But deeply, you don't care about what will be the reactions. So what happens is the approach of discipleship should be consultative. It's yes. good to ask who is there, what are they doing, how are they doing? And it's good to approach the right people who are in the network. I don't mean that we know everyone who is inside, but once there's communication around and we are praying for God to lead us and to guide us, then God is going to give us people who can enable us at least we can talk together and see how these people are surviving. Because to, to survive there, you have to live natural life. Mm -hmm. Yes. You don't expect them to have a building somewhere, put the cross on top of it, and then you want to say, yes, now we have a church in Somalia. Church in Somalia has been there since 100 years ago. The believers already know what Christ Christianity is and who Christ is. So because of that, if there's one believer who is confessing, who is following the word and reading the word and also giving testimonies. Already the church is there. So let us be careful also with our interpretation of the church, mm -hmm. our interpretation of even what we call uh, the exercises that sometimes we undertake, how we undertake when we are reaching out to these people. And with the right approach, we can support the individuals and the families inside, but don't force them to behave in a way that you think that is the traditional way, right. which maybe your denomination has. And then you want them to behave the same way, not putting into consideration that in their community, once they are found, maybe you're not even ready to take them away, maybe at that time when something comes up. So let's respect the culture. And Jesus did not come to change the culture. No. He came so that the message can be discovered within that culture without compromising it. And it doesn't matter whether I'm eating with the left, uh, left hand or right hand, but am I eating? That is the thing. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether I'll be using a fork or a knife, but if we can sit around the big plate and all of us, we are putting our hands, then come and join me as I am and how I'm behaving, but work on my heart. Boy, you know, when you talk about, and that's so important, we need to, understand the culture we're going you know into i've been working with the voice of the martyrs now for two decades and uh, i was on a big learning curve is you know you don't try to bring western christianity and the things that we do into another culture we bring what is in the bible you know 
emphasizing relationship in Jesus, you know, growing in our faith and that we are believers all together. You know, we do, we learn from each other and that's, that's such an important part. And it's sad to hear that there are, unfortunately, even Christian organizations that go in, maybe their motives are good. Maybe they're mixed. Maybe their motives are not even pure because none of us really have pure motives, but not even close to that. And, and they go in, they take some photos or they do whatever to raise money. And then the money never sees its way in there. I know what the voice of the martyrs and I'm going to try to be as transparent as I can, but that's not the way we operate. And I know you, Jacob, wouldn't be working with, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters within the voice of the martyrs family. If that was the case where there was this, you know, just using it for gain, we sincerely want to help our brothers and sisters in Christ in Somalia and also those that have left the country because they can still be a danger at that point, uh, even from family members that have found out they become Christians and even have come to countries like Canada. So the last thing I want to talk about here, though, is the maybe the most important thing. How can we pray and how can we support our brothers and sisters in Somalia? Yeah, that is a very good uh, question. How to pray? Of course, prayer, the Lord himself through his revelation. Once you have a calling, he's going to lead you. But of course, it's good also to get connected so that the people can speak for themselves. And also, maybe it's possible in through that process that you discover things that were not discovered before. And we know that we need to continue praying for the people who are working, the professionals in these areas. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for the believers who have already started the journey so that they are able to sustain themselves in where they are in love and patience and obedience of the word of God. And uh, I think it is very important as we are talking about this, we recognize the strengthening of the partnership within the leadership of the believers because we have quite a number of believers who have come up and who are really connecting with their people now in the network in the regions mm. and who are trying to do a lot of work. So let's pray for the, the networking to be even stronger. Let's pray for also the resources to be able to educate the children of these families because we have quite a number of children from families of the Somali background who cannot just go to any school, but it's good that at least they go to a school where they are protected and also they are in an environment, either it could be a zero persecution or it is it could also be a minimal persecution. So what normally happens is in this environment, as we pray, we know that the Lord is going to provide and providing for school fees directly Maybe it's not sustainable, but if we support a family to start a business, if a family member is a professional, we help them to start a business or even job. Maybe it is a youth and he wants to take more courses so that he can uh, make an income for himself. We support them to go to college. And as they go to college, when they come back, now they mm -hmm. move from being dependent to independent and then leading to interdependent because foreigners will not continue be supporting the local church forever but what are we doing so that the locals can come up and also can be supporting the foreigners because mm -hmm. we need one another it's not only one-sided it's both-sided and let us take one another as partners because once we take one another as equal partners 
then we are able to bring to the table our resources that the Lord has given us. The Somali church, God has given them resources. Maybe it's not the same resources that the foreign missionaries or the mega churches have been given. It's different. But still, we are one body. We need one another. When we come on one table, all of us, we are building one, build, one building. And that building is the body of Christ of bringing the believers together and exchanging our minds as we pray for one another, strengthening one another, and sharing the resources. And uh, we want to share the resources. We want to encourage and uh, we want to support you know, what's going on in Somalia. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, I can go to Voice of the Martyrs Canada, our website, vomcanada.com. I'll also put it on the show notes and uh, find out ways that we're working in Somalia through our partners around the world and with amazing people like Jacob. Before we go, brother, can you pray uh, for Somalia, our brothers and sisters in the country, and that also more hearts would be open to the message of God's love? Thank you for this opportunity. Yes, and let's pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We come before you with our hearts full of joy of the salvation that you have given us. Thank you for taking us from the darkness and showing us the light. Mm -hmm. And also, as we see this light, let it be the light of our path through your word as we read it. And many others are coming to you. We pray. That Lord, you, you are going to touch many hearts that are suffering, yes. who don't know the truth, who have been cheated, who are being misled. There is true confession that the Lord, you are the Savior who is coming back. Yes. You are the one who never sinned. Yes, Jesus. Because of that, even that's why the death of Jesus Christ is being denied because God will not have allowed his only son to be on the cross yes. and that he replaced with somebody else to satisfy the hearts because he was holy. Yes. But for sure we know they have confirmed he is holy and he was not worthy to go on the cross. But the cross was for a purpose and he went there and he overcame that death and he said it is finished. Yes. Lord, he said it is finished. <laughs> there is no reason why many people should continue suffering when you have taken everything to the cross. We pray for those who have discovered your love and they are not having the freedom of worshipping you. Even the cancer of the regions which are bordering the country of Somalia, even in their constitution, it says it's freedom of worship, but the people are still being slaughtered. Universities are being attacked, and the believers are being slaughtered. Lord, Lord, these people are searching for the truth, that right path. And it's only you, Jesus, who is the right path, because you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And as our brother once said, it is only the one who knows the way, goes the way and shows the way, that is the one who can be followed. The rest are blind, Lord. Yes. Thank you for your love. Provide for the needs of the believers in everything that they are doing. Bless it. Thank you for the friends and the partners 
and those who are working with the persecutor charge that you will continue protecting them also and also the civil servants who are in different places where this population is lord you are going to touch them give them wisdom in addition to their profession they are going also to be of a blessing to the somali community thank you for voice of matters canada and the rest of the partners all around the world those who are praying those who are supporting in one way or the other lord we pray for them and we protect them with your blood lord you give them wisdom knowledge and a good understanding so that wherever they are even the somali within their neighborhood will be of a light light that is going to shine thank you lord we praise you lord we praise you lord we praise you lord and even as this podcast is, is going to be shared oh god heavenly father it's going to be of an encouragement to the workers yes. but also any somali who is going to come across it lord we pray that you are going to touch their hearts and give them conviction we pray all this believing and trusting mm-hmm. through jesus christ who is our savior amen amen thank you brother uh appreciate your Love for Jesus, love for the Somali people, and uh, you know God is working in Somalia. It's it's such a difficult place, and I know you have such a difficult ministry, and it is painful. I can you know I hear your hearts cry, and I know you've touched my heart. You've touched many that have listened, and uh, we're going to continue to uh, pray for Somalia. And before I go, I want to pray for you too, Jacob, uh, because I know the burden that you're carrying. And I know, yeah, Jesus said, yeah, burden is light. And I know we give our burden to him, but we're humans and, and we struggle sometimes. Uh, it's difficult uh, when we're seeing so much pain and not only the physical pain, but also the spiritual pain. Many people have not responded to Jesus. And in a country like Somalia that is so broken with war and violence and all the things that have gone on there. Uh, it's it's just hard to continue on. So I want to pray for you, Jacob. Father, thank you for my brother. God, I thank you that you have raised him up as a leader uh, in your church, inside and outside of Somalia. Uh, I know that his passion is to see people come to Jesus. People that have made the decision to follow Christ would be mature in their faith. And you are raising up the young as well. And when we look in a country like Somalia, it would seem hopeless, but you never see it that way, Lord. You've created this place called Somalia, and you love the people there. Even Al-Shabaab, those that uh, would that have done horrendous things, but they are victims too. They, they don't know the truth of Jesus. So we pray, Lord, that their hearts would be opened. And for Brother Jacob, as he shares the amazing message of Jesus, continue to give him and his team wisdom on how they get the gospel into the country. Some of the ways he's talking, you know, about getting it through the internet and through these links and and even the danger that many uh, those that are seeking, that they would not be caught. We've heard the stories of somebody with a Bible, uh, you know, being killed and executed publicly because they've made a decision to follow Jesus and as an intimidation to others that might even think about doing such things. Mm. And Lord, I pray that you would protect our brothers and sisters in Somalia. And, uh, and again, for Jacob and his team, as they bring that wonderful message of Jesus into that nation, uh, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that they would have the resources that they need to continue the work. And we thank you for this time that we've had together. And I pray, Lord, that 
many more would be praying uh, for Somalia, uh, for the people of that nation, and for the Church of Jesus Christ to grow. It looks a lot different than in other parts of the world, but where people gather, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. And so we thank you again for this opportunity today uh, to focus on Somalia. And I pray that we will continue to do that in the days ahead to continue as well uh, to be passionate in our faith wherever we are and uh, to remember those that are paying a huge price to follow Jesus in countries like Somalia. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jacob, thank you um, for you know, helping us to understand better what's going on in Somalia. I love and appreciate you, your passion, your the heart that you have for God. So uh, continue the great work that you're doing and we'll continue to be praying for you. And again, God bless you and thank you for joining us today on Closer to the Fire. Thank you so much. This has been great. Also, even for me to have the opportunity to talk. Yeah. Blessings. We'll keep in touch and uh, we'll be reporting on what is going on in Somalia. And, uh, and remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.